Hello, and from Boise, Idaho, and from Idaho Education News, it's Extra Credit, our weekly podcast looking at all things education and politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. And we are two weeks into the legislative session, a little bit of a slow second week, the kind of the run-up that we always see every year as legislation starts to percolate, which has given us some time to try to dig in and look at some of the pieces of this education budget puzzle. Clark, you took a closer look at one of the big initiatives talking about early literacy. Walk us through. Yeah, if you remember back to last week, Governor Otto's State of the State Address, one of the new programs uh, was a $10.7 million recommendation to fund a literacy initiative that the governor would hope to roll out this year. Now, this aligns with the task force recommendations that were issued about two and a half years ago by um, Otter's Task Force for Improving Education. And I got a chance to talk with lawmakers, school superintendents, state officials about this program. And so what the governor is asking lawmakers to do is to make a commitment to spend money and dedicate resources to improving literacy and reading skills by the third grade. We're talking about targeting students in kindergarten through third grade here uh, with this amount of funding. And so what the funding would do is it would give districts an opportunity to provide support for students who struggle uh, on their early reading tests that they take in elementary school. That could mean more time with a reading specialist. That could mean more after-school programs, summer programs. It could mean a number of things. Interestingly, within the governor's proposal, he's talked about um, funding for an optional all-day kindergarten right. program mm-hmm. for the students who struggle the most uh, at reading at the kindergarten level. And the early reaction to this program was generally positive from a lot of lawmakers and superintendents, but the kindergarten piece was kind of a sticking mm-hmm. point for at least one lawmaker, and that was Ryan Kirby. He's a member of the House Education Committee. Former superintendent. Yep, superintendent of the New Plymouth School. District and I had a chance to talk with Representative Kirby about this on Thursday, and he said something interesting. He thinks the funding that Governor Otter is proposing to provide optional all-day kindergarten for these students actually provides an incentive for students not to do well on the reading test. And so Representative Kirby says he has some concerns about that aspect of the proposal and that he would like to see some tweaks to it uh, before committing to supporting that. That kind so of it's surprised. a big concern about the all-day kindergarten. Here. Right. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he definitely, and, and most people love the concept. Let's dedicate some resources to helping students read and write uh, and improve their literacy skills by third grade. That general concept was met with a lot of approval, but it was the kindergarten piece um, that has some concern with Representative Kirby. On the other end of the spectrum, I talked to Boise Superintendent Don Coberly. He's partnered with the city to run preschool programs in two of Boise's elementary schools. He thinks that his preschool students will have stronger reading and literacy scores when they enter kindergarten, first grade, second grade in the coming years. And so he thinks, if that bears out, that uh, the state really needs to consider pre-K when they talk about their literacy initiatives. So totally opposite end of the spectrum on early childhood education and, and literacy. So we're going to watch that in the coming weeks. But, Kevin, you had a chance. Well, and, well, but before we get away from it, what's interesting here is we've had this discussion about early education but it's been kind of on the periphery. I mean, there's been talk about pre-K pilots, but it's not gotten a lot of traction. It's been sort of a side discussion. Now you've got a $10.7 million initiative coming from the governor that could really focus the conversation about what are we doing with young kids? Is all-day kindergarten an option for kids at risk? Is it more of an option for more kids? 
where does pre-K enter into this equation? So I, I think it's going to be a fascinating discussion. It'll be interesting. And, and if, if Superintendent Coberly is right, and if the students in his preschool considerably outperform their peers uh, in literacy when they get into kindergarten, first grade, second grade, I think that that's going to be an interesting discussion. I wonder if that'll have an effect on, on lawmakers who have so far resisted pre-K in Idaho. But certainly an interesting debate when we, when we look at this focus that we're placing on young mm -hmm. students and, and their reading levels. So we'll continue to watch that. I want to ask you about some of your reporting projects this week, Kevin. You had a chance to dive into the funding and the plans gearing up for the STEM Action Center. What's the STEM Action Center and, and what are folks hoping to do this year? Well, you got to remember the STEM Action Center, and it's supposed to be sort of a state clearinghouse for uh, grants and for professional development in the STEM field, science, technology, engineering, and math, kind of came out of nowhere last session, was kind of formed and funded at the end of the session. Now you're seeing Governor Otter come in with uh, another pretty big funding request here. He would like to put $10 million into what would be sort of a long-term fund. They see it as kind of an endowment, and it would be used as sort of state funding match to, uh, to, to support grants uh, in the STEM fields, professional development in the STEM fields, with the idea that you're going to get some funding from private industry. And the idea here is you need to have this money in a, in a pot and have it as a long-term endowment so that industry realizes that the state is serious about funding this thing long-term. It's $10 million. It's a new program. One of the things I found interesting, I talked to Sean Keough, uh, Senate uh, Chairman of, J of JFAC. She likes the concept of STEM. Nobody seems to oppose the concept of STEM. She likes the concept of STEM. Her concern is, well, we're going to put money into this new program, and we're gonna, maybe going to put it on autopilot without a whole lot of oversight. That's a concern to her. I don't know if it's going to be a concern to JFAC. STEM Action Center will be before JFAC the end of next week, so we'll, we'll get a better sense of that. Again, a pretty big chunk of money, a new initiative, we'll see how it plays out. And when we talk about STEM, just a reminder, we're talking about the academic disciplines of science, technology, engineering, and math. That's something that we've heard everybody from former Commerce Director Jeff Sayer talk about these workforce needs. You hear about it with professional technical education. Um, so that's, that's going to be something interesting to watch, but you mentioned... Sean Keough, the new senator who's heading up uh, the Joint Budget Writing Committee. You had a chance to get spend a lot of time with her in the last couple of weeks. What did you find out about Senator Keough and the role that she's going to play in this important budget-setting process, Kevin? Well, she's no stranger to budget issues. She's been on that committee now for 15 years. She's been the vice chair for a decade. She's the new Senate chair. With, with Dean Cameron leaving the Senate last spring, she moved up from vice chair to chair. So... I had a chance to talk to her about education issues, about education funding, but I also wanted to talk to her about the politics of, of where she is. She represents the northernmost district in the state. It's becoming a very conservative district in, in, when you look at who's been elected in that district from the House side, a couple of uh, really conservative lawmakers. She already has an opponent. She already has an, there's an already an anti-Sean Keough website out there called retireshawnkeough.com. Yeah, an anonymous website. And it's a fairly, uh, you know, it's a fairly scathing website. I mean, it, it goes after her with, uh, with a lot of stuff. So I wanted to talk to her about the politics and how that kind of affects uh, her going into the session and also about education issues. So uh, we rolled out that profile yesterday. 
she's definitely going to be a lawmaker. People are going to be watching. Um, free plug, you know, going to quick truce in the podcast wars. Our friends at uh, the Point of Personal Privilege podcast, they sat down, they talked to Sean Keogh, had an interview with her last week. If you're in the podcast listening mode already, you may want to check that out. It's a good interview. She's a, she's a fascinating individual in the middle of a, uh, a big session on education issues. Yeah, one of the things that was interesting to me, while she is actually moving through and, and helping set the mechanics of this $3.3 billion state general budget, her opponent's going to be actively campaigning against her back in North Idaho while she's at work in Boise at the State House. I just think that's and, an interesting and, dynamic. And talking totally different issues than, than she is. He's going to talk about how we need to have tax relief and we need to reject Governor's Otter, Governor Otter's budget in total because it's just too big, it's too much of an entitlement uh, program all across the board. So, you know, it's going to be two candidates talking almost in two different languages about where we're going as a state. So it's going to be a, a fascinating race that we'll want to look at more closely between now and May. But for now... Uh, we would wanted to profile Sean Keogh and take a look at how she's going into the session. And that profile's up on our website. Yes. You can definitely check that out if you haven't already. I want to stay right here on funding and expenses and dollars, Kevin. You had an interesting story on Thursday night about uh, there may be a new committee coming together to take a look at revamping the school funding formula as we know it. What What's going on and who are some yeah. of the key players involved with yeah, this, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, we were both kind of hearing rumblings about this, but the news dropped... <laughs> After 5 p.m. on Thursday afternoon, basically what this is is a working group. And that's becoming like the new term of art around the legislature. Yeah. It's not really a committee. It's not really an interim committee. It's a working group. And what it is is a group of legislators, and they've been tasked with trying to revamp the school funding formula. That's a huge, huge job. And it's not going to get done this year. In fact, the hope is we'll, we'll turn this into a real live interim committee that meets during the summer, Maybe they come back in future legislative sessions with some sort of an idea. Uh, a lot of big big hitters on this committee. Uh, Wendy Horman is going to co-chair it from the House side. She's a former school trustee. She sits on JFAC. Former education committee member. Very well respected on education issues. Uh, Chuck Winder, who's in Senate leadership, is going to chair it from the Senate side. But you've also got the chairs of the two education committees. House Speaker Scott Bedke is involved in this thing personally. Uh, a couple other members from the education committees. You'll have some representation probably from uh, the State Board of Education, the governor's office, Sharia Barra may be involved in it. So you're going to have all of the big players trying to figure out how to revamp the school funding formula. Good luck to them. You know, figuring out how to redo something as complicated and controversial as the state funding formula, it's kind of like this this great white whale of... <laughs> of education policy, it's going to be really elusive to try to come up with some sort of a plan that people can live with. Anyway, interesting drop of news Thursday afternoon that we're even going to have this working group. And that school funding was a task force recommendation, if I'm remembering correctly, taking a look at the school funding model and moving away, perhaps, from an attendance-based model of funding to something completely different. That may or may not align with another task force recommendation that we heard a lot about this week, which was the mastery-based education uh, and you sat recommendation. Through, you, there were presentations in both education committees. You, you covered the, the House side of it. And it was sort of a discussion of how it's working elsewhere and how it might work in Idaho, right? Yeah, we're, basically we're talking about not no longer just spending one year in an academic class or in a certain grade level 
sitting in class long enough to earn a C minus and moving on. We're talking about actually mastering the subject matter. And it, there are some school districts for sure that are already doing this. A statewide move could be complicated and it could involve funding issues. But Superintendent Sherry Ibarra um, was involved with these presentations on mastery, talking to the two education committees, and we learned a little bit more about how Superintendent Ibarra approaches this issue. She is not just approaching this issue as the superintendent of public instruction. She's approaching this issue as a, a mother, too, and this affects her family. What, what did you hear from the superintendent, Kevin? It was kind of an interesting little anecdote, and it was a, a case where... Sherry Ibarra, who's a pretty private public official, she doesn't like to talk about her personal life too much, uh, kind of let her guard down a little bit and sort of talked about things uh, on a personal level. She was talking about mastery. She was also talking about assessment and annual assessments that we're giving to kids to see how they're doing. She's the mother of a ninth grader, and she was saying, look, my son has taken these assessments in third through eighth grade. He's done fine. He's gotten good grades. He'll take it again in ninth grade, and you know what? He'll probably do do well again because he's been doing well all along. I'm the mother of a ninth grader. I'm worried about keeping him focused on GPA, staying away from girls. That was <laughs> what she said. And she got some snickers from the education committee, but it wasn't derisive snickering. And as I listened to it, look, I, I'm the father. Of, I got two kids through ninth grade, two sons through ninth grade. I can totally understand that. It was It was kind of a personal moment of, you know, the state superintendent talking about this not just as a, a an elected official and a policymaker, but as a parent. I thought it was an interesting little uh, little glimpse that we got. It was a very tender human moment, and you, you don't really see that around the legislature. It's it's very official and very wonky. So that was interesting to see. And, and not to overanalyze it, but you know, here she is in her second year in office. I don't know if you would have heard that in the first year because I think she was much more guarded, not just with reporters but with legislators. So, you know, maybe an elected official a little bit more comfortable in, in her skin and a little bit more comfortable talking to a committee. All right. I want to move along. This week, we kind of took a step back and, and gave you a big picture of what's going on. Next week, things are really going to pick up around the legislature. I heard leadership, the majority leader, Mike Moyle, tell members of the House starting next week, we're going to have the committees work hard on Fridays because we want to wrap the session up. We want to get our business done and, and move towards adjournment of the session. That was interesting. You don't typically hear that call to speed things up in the second week of the session. But on the education front, we already know next week is going to be big. Uh, what are some of the yeah. highlights we're going to look at next week, Kevin? Well, they call it Education Week, and this is the week where all of the education agencies go before JFAC to make their budget requests. And it's higher education. All the universities are going to uh, be before JFAC. But Thursday, speaking of Sharia Barra, this is her day going back before JFAC to make her, her budget presentation. Uh, we'll hear kind of where her priorities lie, how they align or maybe don't align with the governor's request. So Thursday is going to be a huge day for us news-wise. I mentioned the STEM Action Center. They're up on Friday. So a lot of budget presentations, and it also sounds like the education committees will ramp up. Going to be a lot to do here in the next week and, and beyond. So I'm looking forward to that budget presentation on Thursday. We mentioned the literacy program at the beginning of our podcast. There's a difference between what the governor is proposing and what Superintendent Chibara is proposing, and so I'm going to watch that uh, and, and try to let people know where this literacy program is going. But... 
Uh, we'll be back next Friday with all the details. You can watch our coverage daily at IdahoEdNews.org. Uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter for all the latest news as it's happening during the session. I want to thank everybody for and listening. follow us on this podcast every week. Uh, we'll be out every Friday, and you can find us now on the iTunes store. So, uh, so check us out weekly. All right. Thanks so much. Until next Friday, thanks for listening. Thank you.